Before I share this episode, I want to make it clear that the universe schooled my ass on going to Texas. I had a phenomenal time in Austin at FinCon 2021. However, everything else related to my trip from my hotel room to basic communication with Texans to birds were a hot mess. I also got asked the question I get asked every single time I travel outside of Colorado. There are black people in Colorado? Heavy sigh. And yes, I am now actively boycotting Texas, which is a shame because I truly wanted to go to Marfa, Texas, one of my dream vacation locations. In fact, I even share how you can boycott a state like Texas in a previous episode, and we'll share the link to that episode in the show notes. I tell you all of this to say that I was kind of on the fence about even going physically to Texas, and I didn't make my final decision to attend FinCon until about a week and a half before the event began, even though I had a free pro pass that I earned, mind you, because I was on the community advisory board. Anywho, even though I'm vaccinated and committed to wearing a mask indoors, I worried about the possibility of being an unwilling participant or contributor to a COVID super spreader event. And for those of you waiting with bated breath, hoping that that happens, that's kind of uncool. Anywho, anytime I attend a conference, especially if I travel out of state to attend it, I leave a review. In this week's episode, I'm reviewing FinCon 2021. Was it worth it? I'm a huge fan of the envelope system. Seriously, I'm obsessed. It was one of the many systems that I've used to help me organize my cash while paying off over $60,000 in debt. The only downside to the envelope system, the regular system, is you could lose your cash. I really wish Cube Money had been around when I started my journey and started using those damn envelopes. They're really unwieldy. Cube Money is a digital envelope app that pairs with a Visa debit card. Your cash is kept in an FDIC insured account. Cube Money is a great way to keep your money organized while you're on the go. Cube Money is the envelope system on steroids. I love it so much. I am a proud affiliate and I got to meet the team that I've been corresponding with for the past year and they're wonderful, wonderful people. I just loved meeting them in person at FinCon this year. Click on the link in the show notes to learn more about Cube Money. Please do note that I may be compensated based on any actions that you take. Currently, I'm using the free option, but I might upgrade, so I'll keep you posted if I decide to do that. I love making money with ebooks. That's my favorite way to make money and kind of my favorite side hustle. It's literally also my favorite passive income stream. Grow your brand or explore your creativity by writing ebooks. I've developed my course, Make Money with Ebooks, to help would-be authors, especially from underrepresented communities, finish their books, make money, and share their stories via self-publishing. If you're looking to write that personal finance book or a entrepreneurship book, and by the way, there are not enough POC written entrepreneurship books. I'm working on a list of POC entrepreneurship books, and it's been kind of a struggle, not because we're not interested in entrepreneurship. I think it's completely the opposite. We just haven't published as many books. So this has been a challenge. I would love to help you do that. Make money with eBooks. Email me at michelleismoneyhungry at gmail.com for any questions that you may have. And finally, if you'd like to start a personal finance brand or 
any other online focused business and brand and are looking for tips, information, and ideas on how to grow that online business and grow an online business that serves your ideal clientele, is positive, and leads with equity, check out my new project, The Brand Building Lab, where I talk about all things online business building. Basically, all those questions that I get asked, how do you freelance? How do you work with the brand? Which course platform do you use for your course? All those questions, those are at the Brand Building Lab. If you want to learn how to design products, how to attract projects that pay, or how to recognize when it's time to hire help, the Brand Building Lab has you covered. I have a link in the show notes to that, and it's brandbuildinglab.com. officially was my seventh FinCon event or conference. I've attended the following FinCon conferences in the past. Denver 2012, St. Louis 2013, New Orleans 2014, Charlotte 2015, San Diego 2016. I really like that one. Actually, really like, I like them all. Dallas 2017. I missed Orlando in 2018. I missed the epic party at Washington, D.C. in 2019. We all know what happened in 2020, freaking COVID. So Austin, I did attend in 2021, and that was my seventh FinCon. In fact, it kind of amazes me that that was my seventh FinCon, given that there was a huge five-year gap from the last time that I attended in person. It just doesn't feel like the time went by so quickly, but it did. It's also important for me to share that Right now, I'm just not myself. And I don't mean just because I'm fluffier. I just like mentally, I'm just a little preoccupied. And even though I'm beginning to feel more and more like before, I do know that I was a little more reserved at this event. And I had a friend who mentioned it. The event ended up feeling in many ways like a complete reboot. In fact, the vibe was super chill and reminded me of the third FinCon that was held in St. Louis during 2013. I'm thinking that there were around 1,000, probably 1,200 attendees, and that was more than enough. There was plenty of space in each conference room to spread out. And I found that people were very respectful of what other attendees opted to do in regards to spacing, masks, what have you. I really enjoyed meeting all of the new to me members of the personal finance space and FinCon community. I'm going to be real. It was so much easier to connect with people and just have really unrushed and in-depth conversations. The conference felt cozy in a way that it hasn't in previous years, just because it got so big. And I absolutely loved it, especially because of the moment that we're in right now, like that cozy feeling. I miss that. And I'm glad that we had that experience. In case you're wondering about mask wearing and COVID protocols, I'm gonna share my observations and just what I do really quickly and then continue on. Whenever I was inside the venue or inside any place like a car, I wore my mask. That's what I do in my home city and that's just what I do. And here's the painful truth that I think it's time for all of us to acknowledge. Basically, COVID's not going away. It is clear 
The writing is on the wall. COVID's here with us. Like that really annoying cousin or relative who borrows money and never pays you back and then always asks again. They never seem to go away. That's COVID. Now, there were definitely people wearing their masks and absolutely there were people who were not. And basically, attendees managed themselves and kept their traps shut when other people were doing something contrary to what they would prefer. Now, personally, I would have preferred to see everyone wearing masks indoors, but I knew from my experience here in Denver, an incredibly progressive city, that that wouldn't be the case. Now, Denver does have an over over 80, it's like 85%, I don't know, some high percentage of the citizens are already vaccinated. So people feel a lot more comfortable going around town unmasked. But actually, a lot of people are wearing masks here, but no one says anything if you don't. I think partly because the assumption is that you're probably vaccinated. And since Austin feels a lot like Denver, I felt like the vibe was very similar in respects to that. Also, Denver has a lot of tourists coming in from Texas and surrounding states. So basically, I share this to say I had an idea of what it would be like in Austin. I don't think COVID's going away. I think we're in it for the long haul. This is going to be with us. And it sucks. I'm really pissed off about it. The writing is on the wall. And the only people that I'm really focused on now are kids and immunocompromised folks. Everyone else, I don't have an energy for you. But for kids who have no say in what's going on around them and immunocompromised folks, I've got you. But other than that, everybody else, they're going to do what they're going to do. And it's just, it is what it is. And, And you definitely, if you were at home looking at photos and things like that, of course, you did see people with and without masks. We're just at the point where I have to protect myself and other folks are just going to do what they're going to do. And I say this as a vaccinated, fairly progressive human. I just, I don't have the time to police people anymore. I'm tired. (sighs) I'm just tired. In full disclosure, I want to talk about the the content of the event. In full disclosure, I was a member of the speaker panel, and I had a hand in picking the speakers and sessions for this event. If you get a chance to participate on a speaker committee for any conference in any of the spaces that you're a part of, I really strongly recommend that you say yes. It will give you so much insight into what organizations are looking for in terms of content, how successful people pitch, and what makes a standout panel or session. It will clear things up for you quickly, just so you know. I thought I would share the five in-person sessions and one that was virtual because I haven't watched all the virtual sessions yet. I, I was, I've been traveling and I'm about to travel again to attend Camp Phi in San Diego. But I do want to share five that I really want to make sure that you watch. So the first one is Jasprit Singh's keynote that he shared with us. He is the founder of Minority Money. He was completely new to me and dude has charisma. I'm just going to throw it out there. He has charisma, but he is so interesting. His story is so, so compelling. I'm not in the hustle culture that he kind of alluded to in his talk. But other than that, I loved what he shared with us. I definitely recommend his keynote. So make sure to watch that. We also randomly met watching the creepy bats that fly under this bridge in Austin. Thousands and thousands and thousands of bats. So many bats. Thankfully, I was far enough away that I couldn't smell them and no bat guano would fall in my hair. 
Julian and Kirsten from Rich and Regular. I fangirled a little bit. They don't know this, but I was like, oh my God, I'm so excited to meet them. They're lovely, lovely, lovely. And they gave a big ideas talk. And honestly, every time they tweet, I'm like, hey, Netflix, they need a show. Hey, Netflix, they need a show. Hey, Netflix, I need all you guys to do the same thing. I need Netflix to pick them up so that they can do their show and get paid the big money because I love what they're doing so much. Jamila Souffrant from Journey to Launch in her Big Ideas talk reminded us to focus on the small stuff and make and just not to overthink the process and keep things simple. I think all of us tend to complicate what we're doing and it it was so funny. She she started her talk and she was like, "Yeah, I was connecting with some of the other keynote speakers or, you know, big idea speakers. And they were like, yeah, we got it done. And she's like, I haven't started yet. (laughs) And you just need to watch it. But basically just have some perspective and just focus on the small things and keep it simple. And I loved it. John and David from the Debt Free Guys gave what I feel is one of the best big ideas talks that I've heard since I started attending FinCon, hands down. And part of what made this session so freaking good was that I was given so much useful content and actionable steps that I'd never considered that I could use in my basically advanced level business. I'm working with brands. I've, you know, I've developed products. I've coached people. Like, so I've kind of inching into what I would consider advanced level brand building. They shared all kinds of stuff that I was like, I did not know that. I did not know that. You know why? Because I'm not an expert at everything in building my brand. Just like any entrepreneur, there's always someone ahead of you. And so if you are looking to partner with brands, if you are looking, I have to say this twice, if you are looking to partner with brands, you must watch that session and do everything that they told you to do. I will literally be using their tools and guidance on Monday for a brand partnership that I pitched prior to the event. And I think that having those resources will really help me stand out in that conversation. And then finally, the ESG investing conversation that I moderated with a panel of incredible ESG investors. If you're not familiar with environmental, social, and governance-focused investing, please watch this panel. Laura Aldenay from Rich and Resilient Living, Kyle Lan. Purcell from Purcell Communications, even though we call her Kyle. Kriti Sarah from Wi-Fi Matters. By the way, Kriti is the was the youngest person on our panel because she's still in high school and she's phenomenal. She was on NPR. That's all I need to say. She's amazing. Support this kid. She's she's just this young woman. She's amazing. So support Kriti. She was a great great addition to our panel and the fabulous Janine Furpo from Invest for Better. She also has a book, so definitely check out her book as well. Those were the five panels that I immediately want you to check out and support. And I know that it might take you a while to get that content. I probably won't get a chance to watch the sessions until December because that's when things get really quiet and I'm not working as as hard as I will be right now until about the middle of November. So anywho, check those out. So what were some of the challenges that I observed or that I felt FinCon kind of had to deal with? And, And I'm specifically talking about challenges 
while we were at the event. I hosted my own first person event, first in-person event in 2019, Money on the Mountain here in Denver. And that was hard. I've hosted a lot of events. Hosting your own event with your money is a very different beast because you don't want to lose that money. Okay. After I hosted my event, for some reason, I had a strong feeling that I should just decompress and not push for 2020. It was like the weirdest thing. It was like, don't do it. And so I decided to take 2020 off from hosting another event, which is a little unusual. Usually you would host another one and build on the, on the momentum, but I just had that vibe. And I mentioned this to say, I have friends who went through hell in 2020 and almost lost thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars because they were supposed to host events in 2020. And as you know, everything went to shit. So, um, I know before I even make these comments, like I want to frame these comments with that in mind, like hosting a, a an in-person event during a multi-year pandemic is difficult period. End of story. Every single event that I've attended so far in 2021 has grappled with the following question. What is the optimal amount of space to use for that event? This was the case for the Westward Music Festival that I attended here in Denver in September for podcast movement in August. From what I observed, basically hosts are really trying to be responsive to the very valid attendee concerns about air circulation, and space between attendees. For FinCon, because the rooms were so large, it kind of ate at the energy of the sessions. There were definitely sessions that felt even smaller than what they were because the room was just so large. Again, part of this was, in my view, just making sure to mitigate some of that space, like just being responsive to people's concerns that they're in too to enclosed a space. But that was definitely something that I noticed was the energy kind of was dampened because of that. I stayed off site at a bougie boutique hotel that I loved until I had a bazillion problems with billing. Everything else was great except for the freaking billing. Anywho, but this venue where I was staying was within walking distance of the convention center. Unfortunately, I couldn't walk to the convention center because I would have had to pass by some fairly large encampments that were underneath the highways. So basically, Austin is really dealing with a similar issue that many American cities are dealing with, which is unhoused Austinites and just what to do and how to support them and get them back into housing. It broke my heart, but it was definitely not a safe situation. This was clearly nothing to do with FinCon. It was just a an issue that that community is dealing with. So what happened was I had to take the lift back and forth, which was fine. It was five minutes each way, but that was a thing that I had to do. So I'm bringing this up to say that next year, Next time, I'm just staying in the hotel that FinCon has a hotel block for, period. Just not, I'm not even going to bother with that because it was a lot of energy. I didn't use up as much energy as I normally do at a FinCon because I really focused on resting and I really paced myself and I tried to just be 
mindful of that, but I'm tired because of all the stuff with moving around and going back and forth. And so I think I'm still kind of just resting up from that and from traveling from the trip. By the way, for those of you who don't know, a lot of times when events have a block of rooms, they have to fill that block up or by like a certain time frame, or depending on their contract, they could be on the hook for a percentage of the cost of the room. So FinCon was smart as, as any other event would have been during this year to have a very, very, very conservative number of rooms in the room block. And if they'd had a larger room block, I think that would have been really stressful for them and just a risk that they wouldn't have wanted to take. I wouldn't have done it. So having a smaller number of rooms totally made sense for the time that we're in. And that means if I have to like elbow people so I can get my room next year, I will have to do that, but I will not stay off site next time. The closing party was as promised. It was chill. It was so chill. It was a little too chill for me, especially because I've gone to so many of the parties. I would have loved it if we could have had something at an outdoor venue. Again, we're trying to muddle our way through a multi-year global pandemic, and that's all I got for that. So what about Austin as the host city? I absolutely fell in love with Austin. You can think of it as a small, really hot Denver with safer places to ride your scooters and a lot more water and trees and a really cool, massive natural pool called Barton Springs that I got a chance to enjoy and hang out in. The people are absolutely wonderful. The tacos apparently are a must-have food for any meal. And I hope to never, ever see one of those devil birds again in my life. They're called grackles. They're evil. If it weren't so hot, I could absolutely live in Austin for a couple of years, but I hate the heat. And alas, I am boycotting Texas. I did make a point while I was in the city of supporting local businesses and a couple of cool places while I was in town. If you're in Austin, I do want you to check out or support the following places, businesses, so on and so forth. Earth Rides. Earth Rides is so awesome. It is Latina-owned rideshare company that is 100% electric. You know that I use a car share, hybrid vehicles in my car share. This Earth Rides is my jam. And let me tell you, people's, people's heads turned when that 2021 Tesla came to pick me up. That ride was smooth. What I love about this business also is that all of the people who work for it are actual W-2 employees. So it really changes how they are invested in the company and how much they're making and, and just the certainty around their job. And my driver was awesome. I want to bring that up as well. The East Austin Hotel, which is a local boutique hotel, despite the billing fiasco, I would absolutely stay there again, but I would book directly with the hotel. I will never, ever, ever book with a third party website again. It was such a bad experience. <laughs> the East Austin Hotel is super cute. It's a beautiful little property, great location. And it's just, it was a wonderful place to stay and very quiet too during the week that I was there. Revival Coffee, this is a Latina owned coffee shop. And first of all, the coffee is amazing, but the shop itself is 
gorgeous. It is so beautiful. It's so perfect for social media photos. What's cool about this coffee shop is that it also shares a courtyard with some food trucks. And one of those food trucks is El Mango Feliz. And El Mango Feliz is basically doing the Lord's work by making delicious tacos all day long. I went for breakfast tacos. They were delicious, but definitely if you're in Austin, check them out. And then finally, Nails on Fifth. I got my first manicure since 2019 and I loved it. I loved it. The owner was hilarious when I returned after ruining that manicure and she just shook her head and laughed at me. It was hilarious though, because she did such a beautiful job and I, and the massage was amazing. She massaged my hands. I had my, my squishy bag with me and my other bag. And when I picked them up and went to the hotel, it ruined four fingers worth of the manicure. I've got 10 fingers. So then I went back cause, cause it was close to the hotel. I went back and I'm like, I'm really sorry. And she just shook her head. It was hilarious. Anyway, so definitely check that out. So what's my overall verdict? Was it worth it for me to attend? It, absolutely was. And I loved all of the hugs, conversations, and in-person time that I truly missed during the past couple of years. At this point, I've actually begun alternating the years that I attend my favorite conferences because there's so many out there doing different things. I have different funnels that I'm focused on. So I only have so much time, so I can't always go to the same things all the time. Surprisingly though, I am strongly considering attending FinCon 2022. It's going to be a year from now. There's a lot that can happen between now and then. It's still a little too early to decide, but I will say that I am considering attending. I was holding my breath as I waited for the results of my COVID test this week. So I went in on Tuesday or Wednesday and I got my results at the time that I'm recording the episode. Thankfully, I tested negative. There you have it. That's my review of FinCon 2021. Are you thinking about going to FinCon 2022 or did you attend this year? Let me know your thoughts and your experience as well. I spent a lot of time at coffee shops working on my content. In fact, coffee shops helped me make it through the first year of the pandemic. Without my coffee shop, I think I would have lost my freaking mind. I love supporting these small local businesses whenever I'm able to. Buy me a coffee is a quick and easy way to support my work and support a local business at the same time. Thank you so much for listening to this episode and I'll shout you out as well if you buy me a coffee.